What's going on? Welcome to KZ1023's Community Beat, a new podcast hosted by myself, Ross Martinez. Each episode, we take a deep dive look into members of our community, the accomplishments, the trauma, the mentors, all of it. I hope this brings light to all the great things going on in our community. Yes, at times, it may be difficult to hear, and some episodes will have some spicy language, but please don't be deterred. There's so much beauty in our stories. All right, let's get to KZ's Community Beat. Thank you for listening. That's your fractions and decimals. Hood mathematics. Exactly. <laughs> and once I started, because now I have their attention. Ross Martinez here with the all new KZ1023, number one for throwbacks. Sitting alongside right here, Kendall Johnson, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got to make sure. Uh, we are talking today about forward movement, which is fear overshadows resources when areas remain dangerous. I have the flyer right here. We'll get into that a little bit, but I want to know more about Kendall, the person, man, because I'm, I'm intrigued by conversation and dialogue. We've had a few conversations. Mm-hmm. Oh, two. <laughs> but um, that is really intriguing when you say that. It's misguided potential. Now, to get a little bit more into that, where do you feel the disconnect is? The disconnect is, I like to say, media perception Ooh. and environmental circumstances. You can see your mom go to work every day. My mom went to work to Caterpillar every day, raising three kids, and my oldest brother was with his grandfather and struggling. And it's like, okay, well, everybody here is Caterpillar's making this great money, but we're still struggling. Hmm. The guy over here whose mom is doing nothing, they have the best shoes, they have the best clothes, they have the best everything. So is it a hustle mentality that's missing? And that's the disconnect when you're being raised in a household like that? Or are you respecting the struggle? You're not going to respect the struggle as you come up. Hmm. And that's the disconnect. We didn't have the men out there saying, hey, you need to go to school. Hey, you need to do this. Hey, you know how intelligent you are? No, I got a tattoo put on my arm by my brother when I was 11. I didn't know what it meant. Just put it on there. And then everybody says, what's up, little insane? What's up, G? What's up, little insane? Oh, you got tatted in? in. Yeah. And without knowing? Without knowing. That's wild, because that's someone you trusted, right? Yeah. And, and you, when you everybody got said that, then I'm like, okay. And at the time, I don't think he even understood it, because he wasn't nothing but a year older than me. Oh. But our older cousin and them knew. Yeah. And once they started calling me this, then it was like, I want to follow up on it. That's how I became into the gang culture. Something that simple. And it's almost like you get tricked into it, and that's a disconnect. Because my cousin and them that was in the gang culture that was eight, nine, ten years older than me should have said, man, cover that up. That's interesting you said that, because I remember I've had community, my father, not to dive too much into his past but you know he was of the life but he said he got involved because at the moment in the area he was south side chicago mm-hmm. there's a lot of hatred against latinos in the moment right so they band together to prevent the racism from hitting the community kind of providing a uh, a shield in a way right not to glamorize the lifestyle or nothing but it eventually devolved into what we now know gang life to right. be but it's interesting you say that because we come from different areas, different cultures, different backgrounds with similar observance. We've seen things in the community. And it's very interesting you say that because, you know, people you trust looking for mentorship, role models, led you down a path in a way. Yeah. But I chose to stay there. So let me just say that. Yeah. I got in my comfort zone. And, you know, all organizations started off supposed to have been something positive. Police in our own neighborhoods. um, Giving back. But once that money hit, them government grants and all of that hit, greed hit. Uh When greed hit, okay, the money's running low. What do we do? Drugs hit. So if we buy drugs, we could flip it and we could do this and then we can have more money. So the money keeps flowing. Yeah. Now we want a bigger area to sell more drugs. 
Yeah, coverage. So now let's start game banging. Even though these guys were over here doing it, we want what they got too. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. It's like hood entrepreneurship. Yeah, it is. Let's be honest. It is. It costs pay to pay. It's the hustle mentality that leads to entrepreneurship of how to overcome the struggle. But in society terms, it's a negative light. Because we're we're basically endorsing the struggle. Like, we're propagating it hmm. because everybody's not going to get money like this person here. Yeah. Everybody's not going to be riding in the bands except maybe this person here. So if one person has that much control over all these employees and I'm just paying you the bare minimum, but I'm eating ribeye steaks while you eating bologna sandwiches. <laughs> the government cheese? Yeah. Well, government cheese, that was like a delicacy. <laughs> it's still a delicacy if I've seen it. But, you know. It feels the emotions, you know right. what I mean? Oh, my goodness, the way a cheese just melts or doesn't melt, you know. Well, you know, it comes to the brick, and you got to pray to God to see if it can come across, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you got to hope, hope you slice right. <laughs> That's interesting, this conversation, though, I would say, Kendall, like, to dive into the mentality of someone that, as you said, you were going to church every Sunday. Your your brother, right, was going over to your grandfather's? My brother stayed with his grandfather. My oh. oldest brother did. But you had a good upbringing. I basically did, honestly. Like, I sit up there, me and my best friend, and literally play catch for hours. <laughs> and after I got expelled, I went and lived with my grandmother for a few months for the summer. Got into baseball. And I couldn't hit. <laughs> I could throw I could catch. <laughs> but then once I moved back up to Peoria, like my first year out there, we did good. Moved back up to Peoria, I could hit. I ended up being probably one of the best pitchers in central Illinois. Really? 12, hmm. Where colleges and people would sit there and just literally come try to see me pitching. And we had four catchers. We were the only team that had four catchers. Really? I would burn them. <laughs> And so you had to eat. After, yeah, and after that, we lost one game. And that's, honestly, that's where my life kind of changed. Hmm. How so? I felt cheated as a oh. kid. I played baseball, and it was the playoffs. The first time I'd ever been to a playoffs or anything, I gave up three runs the first inning. Then throughout the game, I had two RBIs. So scored 3-2. I never gave up another run. Now it's my turn to bat again. And I had a runner on second and third. And the dude that hit behind me always hit the ball to the pitcher. <laughs> i never forget his name. I ain't going to put his name out there. <laughs> it's like you have this memory still in your brain, huh? Yeah, I could picture I could see it. And No pun intended. He said that, right. <laughs> that part. <laughs> and I literally could, and they walked me. And I still remember looking at my mom like, Mom. She was like, baby, just go and take the base. And I was like, and I knew it was over. Damn. And after that, I gave up baseball. Can you talk about the feeling you had when you were on the diamond? Like, it, was it a moment of clarity, escape, comfort, warmth at all? Because I'm a former pitcher, and those are, I went through a lot of things growing up. Right. And my time on the diamond was my time away from everything. It was like home. It was like, to me, I could relate to that home feeling. But for me, it was almost like spiritual. Ooh. Because anytime I was out there playing, I lose myself. Like, I'm not me. I'm not thinking. I'm not doing anything. I'm just flowing. So anything that came to me was just like authentic. It was just natural. Like, this is the way it's supposed to be. All this conversation about your backstory and who you are and things, I think, paints a great picture of the individual of why you're getting into what you're getting into now with forward movement. Can you talk a little bit more about that and the why, what it is, why, and what keeps pushing you forward to, you know, proceed with the movement, in other words? Basically, it's like you do so much. Mm -hmm. You see so much. And you say, you know what? We have to change the narrative. I was this person. I was the one doing the game banging. I was the one pulling triggers. I was the one that was out there with my name being blasted everywhere. 
I don't want that same name. And going into forward movement, it was like every time I see somebody with a sign, I would try to give them something. And people would say, don't do that. And I say, why? Because they might have a car, a brand new car around the corner. Mm. What if they don't? All I can do is my part. What you choose to do with it is your part. And seeing so many people speak negative about those people as if they're not human, everybody's a hustler and whatnot. What do you say about the man walking with a cane that's clearly disabled, that's older, with a backpack, with a sign? Do you say maybe he has a a decked out wheelchair around the corner? Do you say maybe he's getting his VA check, this check, this check, this check? You don't. So who are we to pass judgment and pick and choose on who's who? So I started thinking on forward movement before it was actually a name. Random acts of kindness just to do something. Last year, Christmas Eve, I was at work and I said, you know what? And I told one of the guys, which he's from Pekin too, and you know, Pekin's known for racism and everything else. I've been told. <laughs> I said, uh, I'm going up over to Pekin and I'm going to take a family Christmas shopping. Hmm. So I got on my TikTok and I would do little fundraisers and stuff like that and tell everybody whatever I, whatever I get, I'm going to match it. So <clears throat> really? So I literally sat there and I went and I said, show me where these areas are. And they were like... You went right into the dead of the line, pretty much. Yeah. With no fear. No fear. I mean, I bring that up because eliminating fear is one of the things on the flyer. And what what am I going to be fearful of? Like, okay, so going into that moment, because I have moments as a minority man where I'm in a room full of... No minorities, right? Right. Surrounded by white people, it's just myself, and I'll instinctually have my head on a swivel. Like I, I don't know why. I haven't really analyzed that. So, did you have that moment when you went over there? Like, yo, I'm not at no. all. That's why it says fear overshadows resources when areas remain dangerous. Forward movement. Yeah. People fear so many things and they allow that fear to prevent them from doing something that's right. That's why it overshadows the resources. These resources are our youth. The resources are us. Our brothers, our sisters. It doesn't matter complexion. We allow that fear of other people to sit there and dictate our pace. So it's just bringing consciousness when you look at what forward movement stands for. Yeah. Now you're saying fear overshadows research. Oh, now it's ringing for me. Yeah. <laughs> so when I went there, I went without fear. I don't, I'm not a people person. You could fool so me. That's my biggest part. Me, people person. Uh-uh. Me just walking up to somebody randomly talking to them. It's hard. And it's not because I'm fearful. It's because I'm not accustomed to being around people that I'm not familiar with. Because I'm a loner. Yeah. So I can go up to somebody and say, hey, how you doing? I'm with Forward Movement. I'm passing out these gifts, you know, random gifts, you know, this and this. Here you go. Have a nice day. And I walk off. Mm -hmm. I don't even say my name. Yeah. When you introduce yourself to me, you introduce the movement. And then it was 10, 20 minutes of dialogue. And then we're like, oh, I'm Ross Kendall. Exactly. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't want people to actually, like, I want them to know me and know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But that's not my focal point. My focal point is you be feeling, you feel blessed that somebody you didn't know came and gave you something that they did not have to give you because Thomas. of you being who you are. No <laughs> other reason. I don't know you. So I can't say because you're a good father. I yeah. can't say because you're a bad father. I can't say because you're a school teacher. I can't say because you're on the radio. Mm -hmm. All I can say is, here, I care for you, even though I don't have to. I'm not obligated to. On a human level. On a human level. Just I know you're carrying a cross. 
I have my own cross I'm carrying. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put any preconceived notions upon it. I'm just going to treat it. you like God said. The and golden rule. Away. I like that. Now you don't feel obligated to try to reach out to do anything for me because you don't know who I am. So what moment in life, we talked about led you into creating this. Like, yeah, you had the spark moment at work, right? Where you told your coworker, but we've said you've been in prison and we talked about it off the mic, how there was a ha-ha moment mm-hmm. that made you say, wait a minute, I no longer want to carry the energy of what I'm doing and I want to supply the community with positivity. That Eliminated when, the fear. The initial part was when I was in prison. Oh, okay. Can you speak when on I that? Wanted to, I wanted to just basically study myself. Mm-hmm. I used to read the Bible. I've read the Quran. I've read the Tao Te Ching. I've read oh. um, the Morris Science Circle 7. And so much of it was about studying yourself. My aha, my hugest aha, after me and you had that conversation, and I kept thinking, like, what was it? All I had to do was study our literature, our gang literature. We were talking about this. Study the gang literature. Now, a lot of people are privy to gangs actually have a structure. They have. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have to go into all that because right. that's, that's the life. And sometimes it's better not knowing what you don't know. <laughs> but, you know but let me just say this. Okay. When you talk to somebody that's in the gang. Mm-hmm. And if you if you say you're a gang expert, but you've never been in a gang, you're not going to resonate to them. If you say you're a gang expert and you've been in a gang and you're trying to change the mindset of members of gangs, you have to talk to them on a level that they understand. And what's that level? When you say recite this, people can recite it. Okay, now break it down. What does it really mean? Just because people get in gangs because they can recite something that shows that you're a gang member? Yeah. No. It's if you can recite it, why not live by it? It's so interesting because as we talked about this prior, and you bring it up again, right? So I'm I'm in fraternity, and a lot of what you say resonates with how we handle things. So it makes me kind of think... Man, at the end of the day, it's just it's a group of people trying to bond together that are misguided, mm-hmm. that need structure, to need understanding, resources, eliminating the fear of why are we banded together and people don't like us. And if you're banded together, what's holding you together? So the disloyalty. Of the society, of other people, of other each other? people that are holding you in this circle. We get misguided. Yeah. I'll be the first to say all these chiefs and whatever else, mm-hmm. they misguide and misuse their members. Because if you put out there, just real quick on that. Yeah. If you say disrespect. So you have to respect everybody in and out of a gang. Mm-hmm. But then you, re- you disrespect somebody in and out of a gang. Who's calling you on it? Nobody. Huh. But how can you say that you're a gang member, but you're disrespecting people, but your law tells you to respect people? How can I say I'm a Christian if I go up against, go against everything in the Christian doctrine? How can I say I'm a Muslim if I go up against everything in the Quran? But I'm just this in name. Yeah. Not in walks. So you challenge people, and I say, Ross, you say this here. Why are you disrespecting people, but you know you're not supposed to? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't care this and this and this. So does that mean that you're a part of this gang, or are you just send it by mouth, like saying, this is what I am? Are you about it, or what's up? Exactly. Because everything in life has laws and policies. Very true. So everything. if you don't follow the guidelines of what you're supposed to do here. Does that mean that you're a radio host? Or are you just somebody taking up space here just portraying the image of one? That's interesting how you like break that down. <laughs> when you think about it, like it 
I think a lot of people have the misconnotation of what life would be for us, right? Of how we grow up in areas. Uh, you're originally from Peoria. Peoria. But you've spent some time in Chicago, right? Been in Chicago, been Texas, been North Carolina, been somewhere everywhere, been to prison. Would you say this idea that you have, not idea, but um, everything you're seeing in these different areas that you travel, has it impact what you feel from forward movement? Yeah. Like, has it added to it? Yes. So this is something you see fear being a main component of disconnect with a lot of people in your travels. I'm going to give you the best story. Oh, come on now. I'm with it. Last week, mm-hmm. I was down in Carbondale, and I'm working. In the mornings, I get up. I go set up. I go to the Circle K gas station. I seen a man laying there in front of the Circle K. You got right by the front door. You know how they got the garbage cans on either side of the door. Mm-hmm. On this side of the garbage can, laying there, balled up with the blanket. I look, go in, get my coffee. Something hits me and says, grab a couple hot sandwiches. I grab a couple hot sandwiches. I take them outside. I hand them to him. Here you go, bro. Man, thank you for this, man. God bless you. Yeah. I said, bless you as well, bro. Walking, swinging my little happy this happy coffee cup. Go about your day? No, it dawned on me. Huh. You bought him a sandwich. You bought him two sandwiches, but you didn't ask him, did he want anything to drink? So I said, hey, bro. He said, yeah. I said, you want something to drink? No, man, you did enough, man. I appreciate what you did for me, man. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Yeah. I said, okay. I got up in my work truck, drove off. My chest tightened physically. A physical change. My chest tightened. And every time I think about this, it kind of hits me emotional. I was, I'm 46. 46 years, bro. I thought I knew what humility was. I thought humility was me putting down guns. Me stepping away from the gangs. Me trying to speak positivity into people. Me not running around being aggressive because my size or whatever. And he opened my eyes to another level of humility. Here this man is homeless without anything. I would expect him to, if anybody had a chip on their shoulder, I would expect it to be somebody like this. Hmm. But even though I don't know their situation. And he was that humble. And he was so soft spoken. And he could have said, yeah, I want a drink, even if he didn't want one. But yeah. he didn't want that. He wasn't a glutton. He wasn't greedy. And it was like, he was so grateful for what he had. Them two sandwiches. That he would turn down something else to go with it. And I'm like, okay, that's what humility is. When you're grateful for what you have... If someone offers you something, you accept it with kindness, but you don't overdo it. You don't take advantage of it. And I'm like, and his voice just resonated humility to me. His voice just constantly resonated humility. So the next day I went, seen him and said, man, you eat breakfast this morning? No, man, my stomach kind of hurt today, man. You know, I'm I'm Okay. I said, you want some medicine? He was like, no, I'll probably go to the doctor or something later and I'll get something there. I said, okay, that works. So then I leave and I come back home that night to Peoria and I said, I got to do something for this man. I got to do something. So me and one of my friends sat here and said, okay, get a coat. Okay, get some gloves, get a hat, get some hand warmers, get a mug that you could plug in and it keeps stuff hot. Get them socks, get them boxers, get them body wash, get them all this stuff. Put it up in a duffel bag, get them some new blankets. Went down there and I went on TikTok Live and I talked to him and I let him know I was going to go TikTok Live and, you know, this and this. I asked the people up in the gas station, 
fear, right? I said, I'm going to go uh, talk to this guy, Marvin. I have some gifts for him. But one of y'all take my phone and record, well, you know, be on live, is I present him with these gifts. Mm-hmm. So my motive was show people that you can still te- treat homeless people as people because they are. And this man is humble and he just touched me. Yeah. So we pull in. So they told me no. Why? Four of them are in there because they're scared of them. Oh, we don't want them to be triggered. We don't want this and this and this. Later, I found out he has PTSD. He's a veteran. But still, why would you be scared in this type of a situation? And I'm having a conversation with him, letting him know what my plan is. So they wouldn't do it. I did it myself. And I sat there and I talked to him and we pulled stuff out and he was grateful. He wasn't like jumping up and down, smiling or nothing. He was just super cool. Yeah. So then after that, I leave. I go back. Marvin wasn't there. I leave. I go back. He's in the aisle when I go in. Hey, brother, man, I just want to say thank you and God bless all of y'all for doing this and your movement and whatnot. And I'm like, it ain't no problem, man. We love you just like you love us. You know, this is what we're supposed to do. Man, I do appreciate it. God bless you. The next day, I seen a manager. I said, where Marvin at? She was like, um, he'll be in in a little bit because he always cleans up there around the gas pumps and the paper in the parking lot and all that. He pays his dues. Yeah, <laughs> basically. So... You got to respect that. The crazy thing was, she said, are you the one that gave him all that stuff? I said, yeah. She said, you know, he had me take him to the shelter. I said, for what? He passed it out to them people. There. Stop playing. I said, are you serious? And she was like, yeah. I don't know if she thought I was going to be upset. Yeah. I was ecstatic. I was like so happy. It's passing the moving forward. Oh, my God. For somebody that has nothing to take all of this stuff. You're talking about 300 and something dollars worth of stuff. Yeah. To a shelter and passing it out. She, she said to like eight to ten people. So blessing him in turn blessed eight to ten more people. <laughs> so I recorded him yesterday morning. I said, Marvin. Why'd you take that stuff to the shelter? He said, man, he said, honestly, y'all bless me, man. You bless me. He said, and I felt compelled by God and inspired by God to go bless somebody else with that blessing. Ain't that something? I said, you know what? I got something else for you. And I pulled out five twenties and I said, here goes a hundred dollars, Marvin. Yeah. Get you a hotel room, relax, watch TV or whatever. Don't give it away. Let this be for you. Mm-hmm. Just think how deep that is and how impactful that is on somebody's mind that's trying to open up and spread a positive narrative yeah. out here. Yeah. How that impact you, though? Man, that touched me so deep. Spiritually, mentally? Spiritually. Because you had the physical aspect yeah. of it. The tight chest. Like, yeah, ah, yeah. You're supposed to be doing something better right now. Mm-hmm. God sent you a message saying, ah, yeah. you got the blessings. Eliminate it. Let's go. Come on. And that's what hit me. You walked and, in the light. And they got me now. <clears throat> but that's the second time something like that has happened. When's the first? Last year when I did my first ever random act of kindness with the guy in Pekin. With the Christmas I sat there and I... Take me through that. I was going to... I just knocked on the door, started talking to him. He looking like... Who the hell is this knocking at my porch right now? So then the little girl comes up. Then his wife comes up to the door. I said, how's y'all Christmas looking? Uh, it's it's okay. Which, that's, side note, that's a random, like, nowadays, someone knock on your door, how's Christmas looking? You're like, who yeah, are you? Exactly. And why are you at my door right now, man? <laughs> what do you have with you? You know? Yeah. Like, so, you Analyzing know, you up and down, really, though. Yeah, and I'm just talking, and I'm like, uh, I said, do you got a car? He said, yeah, I got my mom's car right now. I said, all right, can I follow you to Walmart? 
He said, "Yeah, the same look I just gave you." <laughs> yeah, he just he just looked at me, and I'm like, "I said, yeah, I want to you know get y'all a couple extra things for Christmas." He was like, "Okay." So I followed on the Walmart, which I don't know anything about Pekin, so I didn't know where their Walmart was anyway. Yeah. So went in. The little girl picked out a frozen doll with the hair, the blonde <laughs> hair thing. So she picked that out. And then in my heart, it was like, don't think about how much money you're finna spend. And that's where my mind went. Don't think about how much money you're finna spend. So we just went around filling up the cart for his daughter, the son, him, his wife, the new baby on the way, the camera, baby camera, monitor and all that. So when we were waiting in line, a woman was, it was a woman at the register. There was a man behind her and then me. So I'm waiting and I'm looking and the woman had a little boy with her. So the woman didn't have enough money. Hmm. So she started putting stuff back. And I was like, if you don't mind, I'll pay for that. And she was like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. And the way she said it was kind of rude, but I also understood you know, it's an emotional spot. You on the spot right now. And I seen her put the little boys Nerf guns away, toys, and I'm like, okay. So when she walked off, I told the guy in front of me, hey, can I pay for this real quick? In the moment of act of kindness, there's another act of kindness going on. Yeah. So <laughs> I pay for it. And I tell the guy that I'm with him and his daughter that I'm shopping for, hey, could y'all run that out there to that woman? So they hurried up and ran it out there to her. So she got everything that she was trying to get. So I'm standing there. The woman's ringing up the stuff, and I'm looking. 300, 320, 340, 360, 380. And I'm like, <laughs> here go these numbers. Just yeah. add up. But it's like, what can you do? You know what I mean? Whether it breaks me or not, I'm not worried about it. So... And I'm sitting up there, and then I'm like, okay. So I pulled my card out of my pocket. As I'm doing this, finna put the card in the thing, a woman was like, hold on one second, and handed the woman $500 bills. Yo, wait a minute. So this is a third party that just sees your act of kindness. Same thing right, let me that for the woman in front. Oh. She didn't know that I was doing a random act of kindness with the family I was with. So she was like, you know... Don't worry about it. You just helped that woman out there. I said, that was like $60. She was like, I know. I understand. Don't worry about it. And I looked at her. And I said, okay, thank you. So huh. she paid for their stuff. So his sister had just come up in there or whatever. So one of my friends that stays in Pekin was right there. So she went and bought stuff for his sister and her two daughters. Another random act of kindness, just a spinoff now, because yeah. that wasn't intended. So now the woman I paid for didn't expect it. I didn't expect this woman. The guy I'm sitting up here paying for didn't expect any of it. Yeah. And I stepped back and I'm like, okay, well, you just opened the door for me to bless other people. So yeah. I stood right there and I watch and I watch. And as soon as I see somebody, you know, ringing up toys and stuff, I'll go over there and be like, excuse me. And as soon as they look back like, yes, and I'll just hurry up and swipe my car and be like, <laughs> enjoy your Christmas. And I did that to like five more people. <sighs> I know. And I found out who the woman was. Yeah. And she works in Pekin at a bar. So me and another one of my friends, and I kept saying, I got to show her gratitude. Yeah. I got a plaque made. With her name on there, you're the real MVP, this and that. And then waited like six months almost. I think it was like June or July, like June. Popped up at her bar and I'm sitting up there and I'm like, do you remember me? And she was like, did I put you out of here before? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking like, what are you, you serious? You look like a rowdy man. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? She was like, yeah. Or did you puke in the bathroom or something? And I'm like, no. No. So then when she went to go help somebody, I asked this other little little girl that was up in there, I said, hey, could you give her this bag? Because they were on the other side of the bar. So she gave her the bag. I was back sitting over here, and she's just looking at her like, what is this? What is this from? What is this from? Mm -hmm. 
And I'm just sitting over there just looking at her puzzled like, okay, that's what she doing. Just you know, taking the blessing back, and just, yeah. I, I told her, I said, you still don't remember me. She said, no. Nah. I said, on Christmas Eve last year, you sat there and paid for this. And I still wanted to show you that I did not forget and that I appreciated it. And she was just shook. Yeah, like, six months go by. We forget what we eat two days ago. Exactly. But that was what I wanted to do. Because, you know, it's like if you do something great for somebody. Yeah. And you don't really acknowledge what it was that you did. Then that means it's genuine. You're not holding it over somebody's head and saying, hey, look, this is what I did. You did it from the kindness of your heart. We get into that a lot. And then did yeah. this here. Just so you get a reminder. Now, just imagine all the things that we do for people. Yeah. If one person came to you two years later and was like, man, you know what? Ross, I appreciate what you did for me that day, man. This and this. And I love you for that, bro. You'd be like, I forgot all about that. But it touches you that people remember. I will say, yeah. I've had moments of that where I, I'll just do without thinking doing mm-hmm. and then whatever amount of time goes by someone's like hey the time you took to talk to me real quick the time you took to listen to my problems blah 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 meant a lot yeah and i don't think we really fully understand the impact of our daily actions exactly positive or negative exactly like every day you have the option to move closer to the person you should be mm-hmm. or progress away from it and then it's which one do you choose you know, you could take 10 steps forward. Don't say you're taking 11 steps back. It's okay to take one or two steps back mm-hmm. because it's still progress from where you were 10 steps ago. Yeah. We always look at it in the negative. One step forward, two steps back. Okay, so if you're still standing and you're saying two steps back, that means you probably move back one step forward and six inches back. <laughs> Cover that ground. <laughs> Keep showing progress. Yeah. Which is what forward movement is. And when I look back at my life, people say, you should get your record sealed. And I'll say, for what? But you know, it has violence in it. Okay, and? That shows you that I'm the message that I bring. I come from the trenches. I chose the streets. I did my prison time. When everybody said I was going to get out and go right back or end up doing this and that or whatever, I showed them that that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. So when somebody says, well, I can't do this because I got this job. I mean, I can't get a job because I did prison time. They may be able to tell Ross that they can't tell me that. Of course, because I know sometimes you have to be persistent in what you're going for. Become the part. Every day that I wake up, I have to check myself. I'm going to check me so you don't have to check me. When I go to work and I don't want to go to work, I'm going to still laugh and joke. Because I don't think my negative energy needs to be projected off onto you. Yeah. If you anger me while I'm at work, by the time we get off work, we're going to have an understanding. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to explain to you what you did that frustrated me and I'm going to apologize to you for allowing it to frustrate me to that point to where I'm even having thoughts even though I'm not acting on them I will apologize to you for just saying in my head man I want to punch him <laughs> we've all had that feeling That's and I will apologize to you though really? I would say Ross you know what man I was so angry at this moment right here Yeah. that I really wanted to punch you, and I apologize because nothing should get me to that point. And you'll be like, <laughs> dang, he just apologized for a thought he had. So what... How did you get to that part of mentally being able to be so aware of not only your interactions on the daily, but also emotions? Because we've talked about, as men... A lot of us aren't taught how to deal with our emotions, our, our mm-hmm. spirituality, even our insecurities or failures, shortcomings, right? Mm-hmm. So from where you came from, where you were, your forward progression, forward movement to where you are now, and what part of that story did you, it not just click, but you you became aware? When I realized that 
I was getting mad over the simplest stuff. Hmm. And then I had to sit down and say, why am I getting mad at this? And somebody suggested I write a book. Then somebody else said, you should write a book. Then somebody else said, you should get your poetry published. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to write a book. And not a book for public, a book for myself. And from my earliest memory, up until that point, I wrote down every single thought I could possibly think, every memory I could think of. It was some pages. Then as time progressed for like two, three, two or three weeks, if I thought about something, I'd write it down. And then I said, you know what, it's time for me to read it. So you poured your heart out, and until you were prepared to accept it, yes. you just left it. That's intriguing. And because the thing is, if you if you read about you, yeah. you'd be like, dang, this is why I feel this way. <laughs> like, say yeah. somebody calling people, say somebody calls a grown man a B-word. Yeah. And the man always reacts in the negative, and he's ready to fight. But then you say, why are you ready to fight over that? Because he disrespected me. No, you disrespected you by being ready to fight over that. Why do you feel disrespected enough to want to fight over that? What happened with you in that word that made you want to fight over that? Hmm. Well, because they said no man should be called this and this and this and this. Okay, we're talking about you. So if somebody feels this way about you, you can either cut them off and not deal with them or let it bother you and you end up in jail for it. I'm saying. So it's about learning your triggers and why are you triggered? Yeah. <laughs> Think about how hard is that, though? It's, it seems simple. It's not. <laughs> because if somebody still walks up to you and calls you a B word, if you could step back and say... I'm not going to let that trigger me. Why? Because I'm not that. If somebody walks up to me and calls me an igloo, should I get mad? Why? Because you ice cold? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, or whatever. Like, should I be mad at this? No. Because it doesn't define me. So, <laughs> gang banging. Oh, I remember when I pulled the trigger. Okay. Why did I have those emotions after I pulled the trigger? I didn't have any. When I went to the county jail, why did I have 22 batteries on the police when I was in the county jail? And one dude changed that. I was in SIG, like nine months out of 15 months in the county. Mm-hmm. One dude came in his double door said, before he went home on shift change, and I'm knowing it's shift change. They did their last count and everything. He came through two doors to get to my door and said, Kendall. I said, what's up? Hey, have a good night. That's all? Just. I said, thanks, you too. And he left and he went home to his family. And I sat there and I said, he didn't have to do that. What made him come up in there to my cell door just to tell me to have a good night when he didn't have to do that? He didn't have yeah. to care about that. All he had to do is just keep walking past and leave. But he chose to do that. And at that point, I said, why am I fighting them? Why do I have so much hatred towards them? They didn't do anything. And it was a distraction most of the time anyway. It's the simplest things. That's what inspires forward movement. Those little moments yeah. are life changing. From him saying, no, brother, you did enough. From this man saying, have a good night. From somebody saying, I know you over there, you probably don't want to be at work today. But man, just remember, be the reason somebody smiles today. The littlest things. And I'm learning that more and more when I go on my TikToks and I go live and I have so many people coming in now and they're like, I appreciate you saying this. I needed this. And it's like, I'm not doing anything but being me. But if being me inspires a better you, 
why not? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why not? It's yeah. I mean, <laughs> there, man. There's so much to unpack in that. That's as someone that doesn't believe in coincidences. Like I, I don't believe things just are. You know, it just happens to happen. Like there's reasons. Mm-hmm. There's, the universe works in very mysterious ways. So, as you said, you have the battery charges, you're fighting, you're having your aggression put out, right? And in one small moment, after this man's had the longest day ever, probably had to deal with woo-woo-wah-wah and fugazi yeah. stuff left and right, but he took the moment right before he walked out. But, Kendall, after everything, have a good night, man. Yeah. Just the random act of kindness, eliminating the fear of, all right, man, just let me show him some humanity. That's what makes the <sighs> difference. That's and, and they went like they they couldn't open my door without two officers present. That's just like that's a lot to think about. Yeah, it's a lot to unpack. Because when you really think about the semantics, the little... We have a lot of things in our daily lives, right? Little trivial tasks that can be cumbersome, annoying, boring, right? That you could just skip over and not really think about the ramifications of what you do. In that moment, he had two other cats open the doors for him to go by, check you and say, hey, have a good night. Yeah. Humanity. That's the whole thing. When you (sighs) treat somebody as human, not as a race... Yeah. Not as a type of person. It's human. Like Mr. Dunnigan did to me. And he was in jail. He was a Black Panther for like, at that point, he was in there for like 30 years. Really? Every time they would come get me, AG, this is going down. I come out of my cell, like, what's happening? Man, this and this and this happened. And I start walking down them stairs. Mr. Dunnigan would be coming up out of his cell. He'll walk and he'll meet me. He'll be like, hey, Kendall, what up? And I was just thinking. He'll walk off. I'll be like, okay. By the time I get to the bottom, the bottom stairs, I'm like, what's he just thinking about? Like, why he just tapped me? And then nothing happens. No riots, no nothing. We have a calm conversation. We figure it out. We go about our business. And he did it about five times. My man master splintered you. Yeah. Just real quick. And Mr. then I had to ask him. I literally <laughs> said, man, why do you always tap me when I come out of my cell and this is, he said, because if I could get you to think for one moment on something else, it changes your mind when you get down there. Random act of kindness. Because when you think about it, in that environment, in prison, you ain't got to worry about nobody else. Mm-hmm. Especially if you were in it together. Exactly. And that's what, that's how he did it. But my man just tapped the shoulder when he sees, when he sees you not handling yourself accordingly. Say, like, alter you. Hey, hey. I was just thinking. Just thinking. I love that. And that's the thing. We, I got a little goosebumps thinking about that, my <laughs> man. Like, it's small things. I mean, th- this entire podcast is about the small things. Yeah. It's about, excuse me, about finding that that little something, that little nugget of a story. Yeah. And forward movement is just a collection of just small occurrences, small things that build into momentum. That builds into a movement. Forward progression. Forward movement. Just constantly not worrying about where you may fall, fail, where you may come up short. Keep trucking. Yeah. Keep going. No matter what story you got, keep it moving. I believe in you when you don't believe in you. I love that so much, man. That's like um, another small thing. Hetty, Elliot, the one I was talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's a couple of them. I'll give you some names later. Oh, yeah. If you have names to, that we can have dialogue names. like this, friends of this pod, I'll, I'll bring yeah. them on, man. They had, uh, one time when I was in there, I said, hey, send me these urban novels. And I sent her a list. She said, no. I said, what? <laughs> like, you're not sending me these urban novels? She was like, no. Why would I send you something like that when I can send you something to educate yourself? <laughs> And it sounded like a sarcastic comment and a smart aleck comment, but it was somebody that seen my level of intelligence and seen I was a sponge for knowledge because I always read and I even helped her with GD while I was in there uh-huh. in the county. Yeah. So, and it was the funniest thing because I was teaching in a way because they wasn't getting it. 
Oh, so you was teaching the program in the prison also? Or I assisting with there, it? I went in there when I was up in the county, and once I calmed down and, you know, chilled out after that one, it was like, okay. And they kept calling me the GED program. Huh. And I'm like, I already got my GED. Why they keep calling me? And one of the guys was like, man, G, go down there and see. I went down there, and I seen one of my other homies up in the class. She was like, you're not the Johnson that I was looking for. I was like, I was wondering. And my guy was like, man, see if you can stay. Like, can I sit since I'm here? She was like, yeah. And they wasn't getting it. And I'm just looking at everybody like, how are y'all not getting these fractures? How are y'all not getting these decibels? And it wasn't clicking to me. So I'm like, I said, you want me to help you? She was like, yeah, if you want to. And I'm like, all right. So y'all... Y'all smoke. <laughs> you took the... <laughs> I love this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Y'all smoke. Yeah. And when they said, well, I can say it because it's legal here. Yeah, man. It but I'm like, um, so if I tell you, if you come to me and say you want a quarter, what's that going to read? Man, it's going to read a quarter, this and that. I said, what? I said, so I could just give you a point one, and you'll be perfectly okay. No, it ain't going to look like it's enough. I said, but if you put it on the scale, what's it going to read? Why are you sitting up there letting somebody just tell you what you're getting instead of you even knowing how to weigh it out if something happened? Exactly. That's your fractions and decimals. Hood mathematics. Exactly. (laughs) And once I started, because now I have their attention. Yeah, of course. So if you come to me for an ounce and I say, okay, you want an ounce, and I'm telling you this is an ounce and I'm giving you 14 grams, you're going to be looking like, okay, I got an ounce. It's five bills for an ounce. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> Everything, nothing, your math is not math. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, well, here, I'm going to put it in the microwave spray and I'm going to fluff it up and here you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then it's like, it's not mathing. So now they're interested in learning. Okay, you can count your money, but you can't break it down. You know what I mean? So if I said you got a dollar fifty, this and this, and I broke it down in, in them terms, and they got it, it just clicked. Because now you're speaking in something that they understand instead of saying, "Well, this pie had this, and this had four peaches in it," and it's like <laughs> people aren't clicking with that when they get older. True. Speak on the language that they know, and that's how you'll reach them. It's hard to teach a dog new tricks. Exactly. You have to speak to them in the language they understand. You and them. not to label people dogs. Right. But they get sensitive about the, you know what I mean? But it is what it is. It's yeah. a phrase. And through all this, man, I got to ask, because there's, there's definitely going to be a handful of people that listen to this and they're like, why? Like, what? why? Because for me, I'm sitting in the room with you. I'm sitting across from you. I've stood at the crossroom at the event that we met, right? right? And I get genuine vibes from somebody that really gives... For lack of better words, I'll censor it. That gives a shit about the community, about the right. people, right? Why? If you got to convince somebody, why? Not that you have to, but you know what I mean. Why? Why? What's your why? One, one because I don't want people seeing the world from my eyes back then when I was ignorant. That's my biggest why. What do you mean by that? When I didn't care. Mm-hmm. When your life didn't matter to me. When it didn't matter if I was taking money from your mother's pocket or hand and putting it in my pocket while you starved, that's the why for me. I don't want people to do that. Like, I can't tell you not to go and make money. But if I can say, if you're going to make money, do it for the right reason. Don't do it for Jordans. (laughs) Don't do it for a new car. Yeah. Do it to put food on your table. And in turn, if you're making money to put food on your table, you wouldn't be trying to make enough money to have a reason to go take a life because you're not being that greedy. Everybody, It's enough money out there for everybody to eat. So my why is I want people to understand to give back is to make you feel rich in spirit. It makes you feel better in spirit. To know that somebody genuinely cares about you that's not obligated to care. <laughs> I will say, there's been a handful of people in my life I've come across and I could feel that they genuinely care. Like, they're generally there to just put smiles on people's faces. 
Just a few, though. Is that tiring at all for you, like spiritually? Do you ever feel drained doing that? I feel drained, but then the next person I put a smile on their face, it just rejuvenates me again. Like, literally, I can sit there and I can be like, man, jeez. And then, boom. I'll be like, yeah. Like, I may get a message that says, hey, I appreciate you, this and this and this, what you did for me, what you said right here, whatever. That's my fire. When I taught GED students and my students would be like, man, you don't get paid for it? And when at first we wasn't getting paid, then they started wanting us to get paid. And I was like, I don't want pay. And they was like, well, why not? I said, because then I'm not giving back to the community. It becomes a job. And I would tell my students, if you're here, I'm here. If I'm not working, I'm coming. So I expect you to come. I'm using my gas money to come from Bartonville at this time to come all the way down to Proctor to help you. So I expect you to be here. And when they wouldn't go because I wouldn't be there, like they'd come in and see I'm not there and leave, I snapped on them. No. If I'm not there, you stay there. Because they may teach you another way that you can relate to somebody else. Yeah. So we're not doing that just because I'm not there, you're not going. So when they offered me a gas card, I said, no. Why not? Because that gas card, that gas will not only be used to come down there. It will be used in my personal life. Again, that takes away. And they respected it. So I don't need the money. I'm not these Peoria community leaders, alleged leaders. Yeah that these fake senators give $500,000, to a movement that they're not even doing anything with. And then they go out and buy a $200,000 car? Yeah, that math don't add up to me. But it just happened. In reality. In Peoria. Really? Some of these alleged community leaders Uh was given money that was pushed through by a senator or whatever you want to call her here in Peoria. One went and bought a $150,000, $200,000 car, but you never see him in the community. Another one was given an uh, anti-violence grant also. Yeah. And runs an art studio. So you're not in a community like that. All this money has been allocated and nothing is happening. You hear all them saying all this violence happening. Do you hear of them going on there canvassing anything? Going to talk to anybody? You don't hear any of these movements out here going to do that. Probably only during election time. That's it. Because For the camera. they sit there and that's all they're doing. Huh. You want to complain about blood on a sidewalk. But not about the murder in its essence. What do you mean by that? A murder happened. Yeah. On the West Bluff, basically. Last year on Lynn Street. One community leader, allegedly, alleged community leader, went into the paper and complained that the fire department and them didn't clean up the blood. So the blood was still there. But you didn't say anything about the murder. And then another time when the police... They had that shooting, a police-involved shooting. Like a month ago, right? No, not that one. One before that, Mm -hmm. like a year or two ago. Okay. Oh, they left all the blood and the bandages and everything out here. They need to clean up. When are you going to start addressing the actual violence? When are you going to go to the police chief and say, you know what? Why don't we try this approach? If we want to meet the people and try to talk to the people, why not take your uniform off and come in a human capacity instead of always trying to be in an official capacity of authority? Yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah, why not do these things? And why are not the community leaders in Peoria that's supposed to be against violence saying something? Then you have a mayor that's not doing anything for the community. You sitting there saying, okay, well, we got this money here, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. We just got $3 million for lights. Wait, what? $3 million for street lights, fixing the lights in Peoria. Can't you go to Ace Hardware and get a light bulb? 
It's you know what I mean. I mean, like, I don't know a, the light bulbs we use, but you know, don't get a new LED. But the thing is, that's three million dollars that you could have used to fix up some of these houses, houses, school districts, put picnic tables and jump uh, jungle gyms and everything else in these empty lots for these kids for something for them to do. Why is there empty lots everywhere? And if if I buy one, you have to sit up here and now I have to pay for this, pay for this license, pay for this license to do this, to do this, to do this. And all I want to do is put a basketball court on it. All I want to do is put a picnic table with two or three grills right here for this block in their community or whatever. They can go do this. To build community pride. Why can we not do this? Because they don't care. They can say it's Peoria against, you know, we're trying to stop violence and this and that and whatever. PCAV, Peoria Community Against Violence, is the only one that actually goes out there with crisis response teams. How so? I've, I'm new to the area, so they, PCAV, the, you said. PCAV, Peoria PCAV. Community Against Violence. They're the ones that if something happens, if it's a murder or whatever, and they work closely with the police. Mm-hmm. That they go out there and they try to comfort the families and talk to the families and stuff like that. They're not investigating. They're not trying to see none of that. They're just trying to be there for the families. They're trying to assist people that is going through domestic violence. If if something happens and you can't work due to this violence or, you know, you're mourning or whatever, then they're there to assist you. The only one. And they're the ones that are not getting all the funding. It's the buddy system. And that's why people don't care. And that's why forward movement is here. And that's why we're going to continue to build community trust. We're going to commit, continue to do random acts of kindness because we're going to be knocking on doors too. Without the red tape, without, without the added, here's the cameras, here's the pressure, exactly. here's all that. I'm going to do the do. Yeah. And that's why people hmm. say, well, why don't you start a nonprofit all the way? And then you can get funding. Well, I'd rather do private donors. I don't want the government telling me, well, you can't go out there and speak against this because this is one of our things. Or you can't go over here and address this because this is this. You're not telling me anything I can and cannot do with this movement because this movement is straight for the people. It's not for you. It's not for politicians. It's not for any of that. Glitz, it's glamour, for the people. None of that. That's it. And how? what better way can we get the message out there? Honestly, I don't know. Just by doing? That's the whole thing for me. Like, I use my TikTok, but a lot of them aren't from here. You know what I mean? That's all over the country. So I got people in a few people here, a few people in Jersey, a couple in Georgia. You know, a couple people just scattered out. So that's with them. Then my next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to raise funds and... We're going to put our money together, but I want to take, like, say if I get 2000 then I'm going to pick four people, and I'm going to get 500 500 500 500 Plus people. No, for them, that's part of forward movement in different cities. So they can go out and record doing random acts of kindness. You know uh, what I mean? So it's not just centered here, because we have, like, three or four here. But we still try to make it work. So what's your ultimate goal? Have thousands of people out there doing random acts of kindness. And maybe you could prevent somebody from pulling the trigger one day. Whether it's suicide or pulling the trigger on somebody else. Because, some, like, say I'm upset. Mm-hmm. I just got in an argument. Now I'm ready to go back. And I'm going to put gas in my car first. And I say, hey, bro, here, let me pay for your gas today. Remember, you're blessed, man. Hold your head up. Keep pushing forward. And in that moment. And I walk away. In that moment, instead of going to the right to go where his anger was, he takes a left and goes home. <laughs> and thinks, man, what, what, this must have been the higher power speaking to me. Because you never know what day somebody what day somebody is having. All it takes is one bad day for some people. That's my best friend. 
Hmm. He sat there and took his own life. My condolences. Every single day, bro, he would call me and be like, man, you good? He ain't work. He could work. He was trying to work, but he was always into it with, like, his BM over his child, so it would mess with his head, family, whatever. And this one day he didn't call me. Somebody from Chicago lost their life on the south end of Peoria. So my phone's blowing up while I'm at work. I'm like, why are y'all steady calling me? So I finally answered, like, what's up? Man, you hear about Chris? I said, what? He said, man, he gone. He died. I'm like, no, they said it was somebody from Chicago, this and this. Like, no, he shot himself. That hurts so bad. When I say hurt so bad, what if somebody would have did that for him? Just that hey, day. I was thinking. About what? Nothing. Or just any of that. That right there could have changed his day. What about the person that's being bullied at work or at school? All it takes is one random act that yeah. can change the tide in that person's life. The saying is, we. it's one bad day for somebody that pushed them over the edge, but I think the new saying is, one small kind act. So all it takes. Now you see how you just did that? Huh. One thing, one bad day to push somebody over the edge. One small kind act. See how just that right there in semantics, how you changed it, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to change the narrative from one bad day to one kind act. Before you end, I was just thinking. That's all. Alright, thanks for tuning in. That's Ross Kendall. This is KZ1023's Community Beats. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll do it again. Yes. Alright, peace out. <laughs>